The text we're going to read this morning is the simplest text in the Bible. If you don't know this text, you need to become a Muslim. If you don't know this text, John chapter 3 verse 16. If you cannot recite this text without a, without a Bible, I recommend you become a Muslim. <laughs> John chapter 3 verse 16. One text for today. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Father, we give you praise this morning. We give you glory for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you because the entrance of your word brings life and it gives understanding to the simple. We honor you this morning because your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. We give you praise because your word is able to change. Your word is able to heal. Your word is able to deliver. Let your word have its perfect place in our lives this morning. Speak to us and meet us at the point of our needs. Receive glory this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to start a short series about the love of God. The love of God. And today, the topic of my sermon today is a question. Do you love God? I'm not expecting you to answer that question openly. I want you to answer that question in your heart. Do you love God? It is a question, do you love God? There was a king who was so loved by his, by his people. And this king, you know, when people love you, they say good things about you. They write you cards. They post things on Facebook about you. They say things on social media about you. They praise you wherever you go. And everybody loved this king. A time came when the king became sick. And the king needed a kidney transplant. So they asked the people of the kingdom, who so loved the king, to donate their kidneys. Like, if you really love the king, one person should volunteer to donate one of his kidneys to the king. So they said, since everybody loved the king so much, everybody's going to rally at the king's palace. And then they are going to make a random selection. And whoever will be chosen will be the one to donate his kidney to the king. So they all came and they stood before a place like this at the king's palace. And then one surprising thing is that every one of that person was a match to the king, was qualified to give their kidney to the king. And they all stood before the king and they were saying, Oh, our king, we love you so much. We can't accept that you should die. We'll do whatever we have to do to make you leave. We cannot allow you to die. So the king says, since you all love me so much to the point that you're willing to give your life to, for me, I'm not asking you to give me your life. Just give me one of your kidneys. And everybody will say, yes, why not? Why not? So the king said, this is how I'm going to choose the person who is going to give me their kidney. I'm going to blow a balloon and allow the balloon to go into the air. And whoever the balloon falls on, will be the one to give me their kidney. They all stood there and the king was like, where I'm standing? And the king released the balloon. And when the balloon was coming to, somebody said, they like, <laughs> he went away. <laughs> everybody blew and blew and blew and blew until the balloon fell on the ground. Even though everybody professed to love the king so much, nobody was willing to donate their kidneys. Now this morning I want to ask you, is your love for God just what you say? Or do you really love God? Do you love the Lord? 
Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? At the end of this sermon, you should be able to answer that question. Now, before we go deep into this text, you must remember that John chapter 3 verse 16 is a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Jewish teacher of the law. In fact, Nicodemus in our context will be a bishop, will be a pastor, a senior pastor of a church. And the Bible says he comes to Jesus by night because Jesus back then was considered a leader of a sect. And so for Nicodemus to be seen with Jesus in the day will mean that he has aligned himself with that new sect in town. And so he came by night because he was curious to know what exactly this Jesus was all about. But he believed because the Bible says the Pharisees said that when Jesus was teaching and preaching, he spoke as one having authority. In other words, when he spoke, it was not ordinary. The words he was speaking were powerful. It was transformative. Everything he said came with power. And so Nicodemus came to Jesus by now and said, Master, I know you are a man sent by God because your teachings are different. What can a man do to be saved? Now, like I said to you, this is a Jewish teacher of the law who is supposed to understand the way of salvation. But he's asking Jesus, what is the way to be saved? It's almost like a teacher of an elementary school coming to a student, one of the, one of the people in class saying, what is two plus two? You are supposed to be the teacher and you're asking the student, so what can a man do to be saved? And then Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he continues to explain. And John the Baptist, Nicodemus asked him, what do you mean that a man has to be born again? And Jesus said, well, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. As we go into this text, I want you to see certain things in this text that will give you understand, help you understand how much God loves us. The first thing I want to settle in this text before we go into this sermon is to understand how much God loves you and me. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. The word so changes everything in this text. It did not say, for God loved the world, for God so loved the world. The word so means God deeply loved the world. God deeply loved the world. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is nothing any one of us can ever do to deserve the love of God. Is anybody hearing me? There is nothing anyone can ever do to deserve the love of God. In other words, before you ever thought of loving God, God loved you first. May I say this? God had a crush on you before you were born. <laughs> May I say it again? I said God had a crush on you before you were ever born. Amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it said, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Before we ever thought of knowing anything right, Christ died for us. That is how much he loved us. That before we ever thought of coming to him, giving ourselves to him, Jesus died for us. Christ demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Then the Bible says, for God so love, not the church, not good people. He loved the world. Because most people think that because I'm now a Christian, God loves me more. Or God loves the church more. 
God loved the world. And this is the reason why many people fall into self-righteousness. Because they think that by doing something right, God is going to love them more. By doing something right, God will favor them more. But no, God so loved the world, not the church. May I say to you that God loved Osama Bin Laden. May I say that God loved Kim Jong-un. God loved the world. May I say God even loves your enemy. God may hate what they are doing, but God loves them. Is somebody hearing me? God does not love, God does not hate the sinner. He hates sin. He loves the sinner, but he loves their, he hates their sin. So God did not love the church, he loved the world. So don't look at other people in your neighborhood and think that, well, they don't go to church and think that God hates them. God loves them equally as he loves you. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world. The death of Christ is the climax of his love for humanity. There is nothing that God can do anymore to show his love for humanity. God has nothing more to prove after the death of Christ to show how much he loves humanity. So if somebody says that, if God loves me, let him show it. He already showed it. And there is nothing much for him to show. Because the death of Christ is the climax of God's love for humanity. And the Bible says that he loved us and gave his son that whosoever believes. Now listen, if anyone is going to go to hell, it will not be because of their sin. It will be because they refuse to believe. There is nothing you can do right that will take you to heaven. Look at the thief on the cross. What did he do to get to heaven? He just said, I said, they were arguing between themselves. The other one said, if you are truly the son of God, deliver yourself and deliver us. And then he said, are you not afraid of God? Because he understood that this man who is crucified was God. And then Jesus said, son, you'll be with me today. This man was never baptized. He was never in church. He never took any communion. He has never gone for any evangelism. He was never a part of any fasting. But Jesus gave him a ticket to heaven. Why? Because he believed. Many of us think that by our good works, by our actions and the things we do, we qualify for heaven. The only thing that takes us to heaven is belief. That is why most people say, well, I'm better than most of them that go to that church. Yes, you are better than me in your good deeds, but I'm better than you by my belief. Is somebody hearing me? I am better than you by my belief. What takes us to heaven is not the things that we do. It's believing in Jesus. Hallelujah. It's believing in Jesus. Now, if you read John chapter 6, verse 28, verse 29, Jesus was telling the disciples, he says, the hour is coming that I must do the work of my father. And the disciples asked Jesus, what is the works of God that we must do? Because they were thinking that the works of God is for me to go out there and begin to do things for God, you know, preach, evangelize, give myself to things and be all over the place. And Jesus Christ responded and said, this is the work of God, to believe in the one that sent him. Say, this is the work of God. What was Jesus saying? There is nothing you can do in your flesh to please God. The only way you can please God is to believe in the one that Jesus sent, in the one that God sent. In other words, it's almost, it's almost like, for example, somebody has come to this country. He had a good record. He had good credit. He built a good house. He has everything good. The only thing for me to do Maybe, maybe this person is no longer in the United States, but everything is still available. 
And they said, the only thing for me to do is to change my name into the name of that person so I can qualify to receive everything that was in that name. That is what Jesus is saying. I have done every act of righteousness. I have done everything that you could ever do to please God. The only thing you have to do is to believe in me. That is what the Bible says. Abraham believed God and he was accounted to him for righteousness. There was nothing he could do. When he believed God, there was a transfer of righteousness into his account. There is nothing you can do to please God if you believe. So when I pray, I'm not coming to God based on anything I have done. I'm coming to God based on what Christ has done for me. Let me quote an example for you. If you just had a, maybe an argument with somebody right now, right? You quarrel with somebody, you tear somebody out, and then your phone began to ring. Maybe an old colleague of yours, an old friend who knew that you were a Christian, called and said, hey, sister, I'm going through a trouble now. Please pray for me. The first thing that comes to your mind is that, no, I'm not in the right place to pray because I just cast somebody out. Because in your mind, I have to be good. I have to be right before I can pray for somebody. That is self-righteousness. I'm not trying to say that you can live anyhow and do whatever you want. But when you understand that my coming into the presence of the Lord is not based on anything I have done. I am coming in the name of Jesus. I am not coming based on how I have lived throughout this week, the things I was able to avoid, the sins I didn't commit. I am coming in the name of Jesus. So when when God is looking down, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. Hallelujah. So, God does not love you more based on what you've done. And God does not love you less based on what you've done. God's love is unchangeable. May I say it again? I say God's love for you is unchangeable. Even in your unfaithfulness, God's love remains the same. In your weakness, His love remains the same. So if you are not feeling the love of God, it's your business. God's love is the same. God's network of love does not go down and go up. He's always on full bars, loving you the same. Hallelujah. Like I said, if God loved you while you were still a sinner, what would you do to stop making God love you? Somebody loved you while you were messed up. You were in drugs. You were drunk, acting all crazy. He loved you. He had a cross on you. Now you, try, you think that by your makeup, he's going to love you more? This person was madly in love with you. When you were messed up, you were all jacked up. He loved you then. Then you think that because you don't dress well now, he's going to love you less? God loves you regardless of whatever you do. Hallelujah. The love of God is limitless. The love of God is timeless. The love of God is boundless. The love of God is eternal. Hallelujah. It says that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now listen, the scope of God's love does not limit to our lifetime. So God, I'm not going to love them just now. I'm going to love them even till eternity. You know, some people love one another for now or for a season. There are some of us who had friends in primary school that we so love, but now we, we don't even talk anymore because our loves were in season. Some of us had neighbors or colleagues that we so love, but after we left that job, that love expired. But God is saying, I'm not going to love them just in this life, but even till eternity. It means that God's love for you will never end. God's love for you is timeless. God's love for you is limitless. God's love for you is boundless. God loves you till eternity. 
Hallelujah. So I want, I want to settle this morning that you are loved by God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't look at somebody maybe who is acquiring something and think that God loves them more. Because that's what we think. We think if somebody bought a new house, means God loves them more. Somebody bought a new car, God loves them more. Somebody got a promotion, God loves them more. God's love for us is not, is not seen by the things we acquire. God's love for us is the same every day. Hallelujah. So this morning, like I said, if you love the law, according to this text, there are two things that you're going to do if you love the law. If you love the law. There are two things that you're going to do if you love the law. Number one, you will give. For God so loved the world that he prayed, that he fasted, that he wrote a poem, a romantic poem for the world. Maybe that's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Giving is the evidence of love. If you love, you will give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You cannot say that you love without giving. When I say give, many people think about money. What am I talking about when I say give? Giving yourself. That's the first thing you do. If you love God, you will give yourself to God. Yes. It's not about your money. Listen, many people think that God is trying to get their money. There's some people say, well, that church only talks about money, money, money. The reason why everything in that church sounds money, money, money to you is because God is trying to get at your money because God knows if I get the money, I will get you. God is not after our money. What is there anything God does not have? The Bible says silver and gold belongs to him. God does not deal in dollars. He doesn't deal in pounds. God deals in something higher than pounds and dollars. God does not need our money. What God needs is your heart. Because if God has your heart, he will have every other thing. If you truly love God, you will give yourself to him. Hallelujah. When you give yourself to God, what else would you not give to God? Now think about it in this sense. When a man is in a relationship with a woman, maybe they, got, they just knew each other, they're dating, whatever you call it. The man takes the lady out for ice cream, for coffee, whatever. And the man pays. During this time, the man is giving the lady his stuff, his money. But on the day of the wedding, the man actually gives the lady his heart. So during dating, they give stuff. But during marriage, they give their heart. Because you come to the place where it's like, I'm giving you everything. That is why the idea of praying up has never made sense to me. Because if I'm able to give somebody my heart, then I'm trying to protect my bank account from that pay. It doesn't make sense. The fact that you are not allowing me access to your money tells me that you are not giving me your heart. Because if you truly give me your heart, there is nothing you're going to withhold from me. In a, in a Christian sense. But it's unfortunate to say that many of us are just dating God. We give God our stuff, our offering, but we're not giving him our hearts. God is not interested in your ice cream, in your money, in your jewelry. God wants your heart. That is what God is looking for. If you truly love God, you will give him your heart. Hallelujah. You will give him your heart. If you, truly, if you are truly married to Christ, there is nothing you are going to withhold from him. There is nothing. 
Now I want you to look at this, this, this in this sense. A lady had two men that were coming to marry, marry her. They were all professing their love. One was there, one was like a Shakespeare experienced lover. Every Saturday he has a new poem, a romantic poem to write. I love you so much, blah, 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 blah. You are the sugar in my tea. Whenever I see my body chemistry changes, you are the stars of my sky and all these songs. And there was one who was not even romantic. He just said, the lady, I love you. And this other guy was writing all the poem. He would have, you know, demonstration, put flowers and everything. And one day the lady fell sick. I went to the hospital. They said, you need a kidney transplant. And the one who was writing poems kept writing a poem, like, even in this your kidney problem, my love for you has not changed. One kidney or two kidneys, my love for you remains the same. The other one was not saying anything. All he did was go to the hospital and told the doctors, please check if I'm a match. And then the doctor checked and he was a match. If you were the lady who was sick, between these two, the one that was writing all the poems and the one that gave his kidney, who loved him more? But you know, human beings are deceived. We will go for the one that has the poems, who is romantic than the one that is giving you his life. That is why a married man will leave a, a wife that has sacrificed everything for him and go cheat with somebody who calls him good names. Or sometimes a woman leaves a man who has sacrificed everything for her and go, leaves, and go cheat with a man that makes her feel good. Now, when we understand what love is, that love is all about giving. If we love God, there is nothing we are going to withhold from God. Hallelujah. There is nothing we are going to withhold from God. God is not interested in our poems we write to him. We come to him, we sing songs, we love you so much, we love you so much. But God is not interested in our poems. He wants to see that we can give if we truly love him. Hallelujah. Give me your heart. That is what God is saying. Give me your heart. And when you're giving God your heart, the rest of the things are going to be seen. For example, when a man has given God his heart, you don't need to preach to this person to give offering. They will give because their heart already belongs to God. The Bible says, where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. So if my heart is in the kingdom of God, my treasure will be in the kingdom of God. The reason why God has to convince people to give, convince people to do things for him is because their hearts are not in his kingdom. When you've given God your heart, every other thing becomes easy for God to get. Or it becomes easy for you to give God anything. Hallelujah. Amen. God wants your heart. If you truly love God, you give him your heart. Amen. Amen. You give him your heart. Yes. You cannot be saying, I love God, love God, but you're giving God your leftovers. No, you treat God, it's like, almost like one way you cook, you, you serve yourself the food. You know, some of you know, there are certain meals that when you cook, the top is always good. And then, the one that you scratch in the bottom, that's when you serve, you serve God. But if you love God, you give Him first. That's why there's something in the Bible called first fruits. First fruit means that when I, get, when, I, when I get something first, that first portion belongs to the Lord. I bring it to God to say, hey, just to tell you that I still love you, I'm giving you first. But when I eat my first fruit, then I start struggling, then I bring whatever I get last. It doesn't show we love God. That is why everything that God has instructed in the Bible is not because he wants those things. These are things that help us keep our love for him burning. Hallelujah. God is not interested in your money, but God knows that as long as you have that connection to him through your finances, your love for him will stay put. Amen. 
If we love God, we are going to give. Let me ask you a question. If you have a friend who says, I love you, my sister, I love you so much. You don't know how much I love you. But every time you are in need, he says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. You have a trouble. Sister, I'm taking a fast on Tuesday. Our covenant prayer and fasting is on Tuesday. I'm going to be praying the whole day for you. But never will this person take an action to help you financially or materially. You say, sister, I'm going to be moving this weekend, transferring to a new house. I need help. I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> My baby shower is coming this weekend. I need people to help me cook. Don't worry. I'm in prayer for you because I love you so much. Who is going to believe that kind of love? Because love is about giving. Hallelujah. If you love, you will give. And God is saying, if you love me, give me yourself. Amen. Amen. Give me yourself. Number two, for God so loved the world that he gave not one of the angels, not one of the seraphims or one of the cherubims or one of the elders. He gave his only begotten son, the only son that he had, he gave it for us. If you love God, number two, you will sacrifice. You will sacrifice if you love God. God gave his only begotten son for us. John chapter 15, verse 13, he says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There could be no love, like I said, that God will show greater than the sacrifice of his son. If we truly love God, we will give. Amen. Amen. Like I said to you in the, in the story of the, the two men wanting to marry the lady, one was willing to sacrifice his kidney. You know, in the process of taking out one of those kidneys, he could die. But he didn't care because he was so much in love with the lady. When we truly love, we are willing to make sacrifices. Amen. Sacrifices. If you were married and then it happened, I'm not saying I'm mysteriously, you're married to your husband or your wife, you know that he's faithful, he's never cheated on you, you know that this man is good. But for some reason, the man went to the hospital and he said, he's HIV positive. What would be your response? Well, <laughs> when we married, you were, you, were, you were negative. So now that you are positive, I don't know what to say, but we have to bring this thing to an end. You, but you know that he didn't do this, anything to attract this, this sickness. Sacrifice, love that extends to sacrifice. That love that says, for better or for worse. That is why many people say for better or for worse, but don't know what exactly they are saying. Better or for worse means I'm going to sacrifice whatever it takes to stay with you till the end. Sacrifice. If you love, you will sacrifice. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 to 5, I'm not going to read. If you read that text, the Bible says, Solomon loved the Lord his God with all his heart. Then he went to Gibeon and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. Now the Bible gives the reason why Solomon made that sacrifice. Solomon did not make that sacrifice because he was the richest king. There were other kings before him that had that same amount of cattle. But the reason why Solomon made that sacrifice was because he loved the Lord his God with all his heart. That is why he was able to sacrifice. So, the quality of your sacrifice reveals the state of your love for God. What you're willing to sacrifice for God shows how much you love God. You cannot tell me you love God and you're not willing to make any sacrifice for God. Solomon was rewarded after he made his sacrifice. Not because of what he gave, but God saw the measure of his sacrifice, of his love for him, based on his sacrifice. 
And God decided, decided to make him the richest man of all time. The reason why Abraham became the father of faith was not because he was a, the, 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 the best person in, in history or time. It was because he was able to sacrifice his only son. When Abraham could not withhold his son from God, God said, if a man will not withhold his only son from me, there is nothing this man will not give me. Then he said to Abraham, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. He said, look at the, the stars of the sky. If you are able to count the stars, then shall you be able to count your descendants. Look at the sand of the seashore. If you are able to number the sand on the seashore, then you will be able to number your descendants. It was after a sacrifice that Abraham entered that promise. So if you truly love God, you are going to sacrifice. Now, this is what I've known, I've, I've seen from my experience from the Bible and in my experience with God. Anytime God wants to test your love for him, God is going to demand a sacrifice. Anytime God wants to test your love for him, God is going to demand a sacrifice. I was listening to one preacher who was saying that many people look at him, he's on TV, he's preaching everywhere. They want to be like him. But they don't understand the sacrifices he has made to get to where he is today. And he said, one day he was praying and he heard the Lord say to him, do you love me? And he said, yes. And the Lord asked him again, do you love me? He said, yes. God said, I'm going to see you. And he did not understand exactly what God was saying. Early that morning, the wife took one of their bosses, the wife and their driver, and the four kids were driving to another state in Nigeria. I don't know what they were going to and why, why, why they were going to that state, but it looks like they had a trip to cover in another state. While they were driving to that state, the bus, including the wife, the driver, and the four kids, fell in a river and they all died. That is when you understand the Lord said, I'm going to know if you love me. He continued preaching, continued serving the Lord. If it was on people that my wife, my children die on the, on the same day, I, I close the Bible. I retire. But he continued preaching. Anytime God wants to measure your love for him, he's going to test you by asking for a sacrifice. And I pray that your sacrifice not, not be like the one I'm talking about. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you may demand just money or your service. To talk about that, there are three areas that God always demands sacrifice. Number one is your time. How much time do you spend in the presence of the Lord? Like I say, if somebody comes to church today and maybe the church service was three hours long, they say, oh, that church was too long. But when you go to a party that is all night, nobody complains. The party said it's going to start at nine o'clock. It starts at 11. Nobody complains. We're just there moving around drinking. Hey, bro, how are you doing? We chill the whole night. But if you was in church, man, that church service is getting too long because we don't want to sacrifice our time for God. The first thing God expects you to sacrifice is your time. How much time do you spend to be with God? I was telling somebody that, asking somebody, do you go to church? I said, no, the church is too far. I said, like, how far? It's like one hour drive. I said, how long do you drive to go to work? Like one hour, 30 minutes. So you drive one hour, 30 minutes, back and forth every day for a dollar. But you cannot drive one hour every Sunday for God. So our motivation is money and not God. When you love God, 
You can drive to South Carolina to attend a conference because it's all about God. Hallelujah. When you so love God, you are willing to make sacrifices for God. Your time. How much time do you spend reading the Bible? You f- we find ourselves sitting before the TV, watching shows back to back. But we don't have time to read one chapter of the Bible. And what is your excuse? Oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. But you have time to catch up with all your favorite TV shows. But when it comes to the Bible, you don't have time. How much time do you spend praying, reading the Word of God? Number two, an area to make sacrifice is your talents. What talent do you have? What skill do you have that can be a benefit to God's kingdom? I was so surprised that back in Cameroon, musicians that used to play music for the church were demanding pay. Some of these musicians, we paid to train them. Now, when they got so good, and this uh, cabaret of, of, uh, of license and bars who hired them to play and pay them, they also felt that the church should pay them for playing music in the house of God. But when you, you learn how to sacrifice, you know that whatever you have, whatever you've acquired, belongs to the Lord. If you can sing, sing for the Lord. Whatever talent you have, use it for the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you imagine a, a lady having a conflict with a pastor because she did decoration in church and the pastor did not pay her on time? A member of the same church decorated the pulpit of the church and said the church did not pay her on time, so she entered into a conflict with the pastor. I'm not saying that the church should not have paid her, but if you're a woman who knows what is sacrificed, you will not even dare to ask the church to pay you. You sit under the same church every day for blessing. You sit under the same church to be blessed. And you expect that when you do something like decoration for the house of God, they should pay you. If you understand what is sacrifice, you understand that whatever God has given to me is for his kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. What talents do you have? Can you sing? Can you play an instrument? What can you do for God? If you love the Lord, you will use that talent for God. Hallelujah. Amen. And number three, the area to make a sacrifice is your treasure. Your treasure. Treasure talks about anything that is valuable to you. It could be your money, it could be your house, it could be your car. Amen. For example, if I say, okay, we want to start a prayer cell somewhere. And we need somebody to volunteer and give us their living room so we can have prayers every Sunday or every Friday or every, or every day. We, can, we are going to meet in your house. Well, no, my couch is too expensive when people trust people come and spoil it like that. But when it's a party that they are coming to drink and drunk, oh, that is when you open your doors of your house for strangers, for smokers, for all these crazy people. But when it comes to the people of God, no, my house is not open. I'll talk to my wife first, my husband first, and see, maybe we can consider. But when you understand that everything I have, my house, my car, my money, everything that I have belongs to the Lord, I will sacrifice it to the Lord. Hallelujah. Like I said, the reason why we have difficulties giving to the Lord is just because we don't love God enough. Because if we love him enough, there is nothing we are going to withhold from God. So there are three areas to make sacrifice. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. If you love the Lord, you will sacrifice for God. I often tell this story about a lady that was going to church under the rain. She didn't have a means of transport, and the church was very far. And it was seriously raining. And she had a child on her back. 
carrying a child on a back under the rain, running through the rain. And people that stood in their houses were like, you want to kill that child? What kind of woman is this? Can you, just, can you not just absent for a day? But in her mind, there is no way she could see herself staying at home because of rain. But there are many of us here, if this weather this morning was a little bit cold, church has canceled for that day. Or there was a small snow that just, I mean, that just painted the floor white, church is canceled for that day. Or it's a little bit rain, church is canceled for that day. When you come to the level where you've loved the Lord completely, nothing can stop your services for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we love the Lord. So if you love the Lord, what I'm saying this morning is this. You would sacrifice and you would give. Amen. So we don't need to be preaching every day about giving, giving, giving. We should be talking about loving the Lord because when you love the Lord, we will give. It becomes easy to pay your tithe. It becomes easy to give. It becomes easy to sacrifice for the Lord. We don't have to convince you to give because you understand. It's for, it's for example, my, let's say my wife's birthday is coming up and somebody has come and preach my about, you know, man, you need to do something for your wife. If I love my wife, I'm going to do it. I don't need somebody to tell me to do it because I know. Because I love her. But if somebody has to come and talk to me about it over and over and over, it's an indication that I don't love my wife. So if somebody comes to you every Sunday and has to convince you on how to give and what to give, it's an indication that we don't love the Lord. A man that loves the Lord, before you leave your house, you already know your offering. You write it down and put it in an envelope. You don't need motivation to give. Hallelujah. I want us to love the Lord this year in a way like never before. Amen. We're going to pray one prayer this morning, which is a prayer we pray this morning again. Oh God, increase my love for you and your kingdom. Hallelujah. Increase my love for you and your kingdom. I was listening to Pastor Robert Morris yesterday and he said some things that were very challenging. So one time in his ministry, God asked him to give everything in his bank account, including his house. <laughs> I'm thinking about you who have just bought your single family home. And the Lord appears to say, my daughter, I am the Lord thy God, the very one that you serve. Empty your bank account and this single family and give it. Some of us will rebuke every devil that is using this voice to talk to me. I close that voice because it cannot be God. <laughs> but let me tell you, this very 2019, you are going to make sacrifices. Amen. 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 Can we stand on our feet? Can we stand on our feet? Oh God, Increase my love for you. Can somebody begin to pray? Increase my love for you and your kingdom. Increase my love for you and your kingdom. Oh God, increase my love for you. Increase my love for you. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Increase my love for you, my Father. Increase my love for you and sense of days. As I leave this place today, let my love for you increase. Let my love for you increase. Let my love for you increase, my Father. Kaskilibrezokoskoprodom Zepundu du gagagashia, le krondo kotologo broski pende kudis, le kaga dinikados, zapranda gadagadagalusi, roplondo kotobligi zabaswa. Increase my love for you, my father. 
Increase my love for you, ancients of days. Increase my love for you, my Father. 